Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Expectations are high here. Look, we're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. And we've earned being there. And um, uh, what we've accomplished speaks for itself. I don't, I don't have to crunch numbers to, to say what we've accomplished. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. But I do know how to build a football team because I've been around for 52 years. I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. That's because it's tough for all our coaches. They're afraid. They go to analytics, and it gets difficult. I mean, he doesn't have all that. He doesn't have that, that fear, and there was no other candidate. We were fortunate that he was available, um, and he has tons of experience. He knows this game inside and out um, with relationships with coaches and players, um, uh, and, and has been a consultant for us for several years. Yeah, shocked would be an understatement, right? Shock would be an understatement. So, uh, yeah, we, we had the conversation, and it, it escalated quickly. All right, Vinny Goodwill. <laughs> I see the look on your face. The look on your face is like, what, what? Did that just happen? Hey, well, welcome to Brother from Another. Uh, good to see you and good for all of you to join us. We appreciate you, whether you're consuming on YouTube, Peacock TV, Sirius XM, Channel 85, uh, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you. And I'd say, Vinny, in the spirit of political season, you know, sometimes, especially when the political races get higher and higher, not just a local race, but when it gets to the presidential level or the state level, sometimes the smart people around you, they have something called mock debates mm. and, and mock conversation, <clears throat> mock interviews. And so they'll tape you before the bright lights go on and they'll, they'll, they'll say, okay, I like what you did here, but you can't do that in the debate because that's not going to play well. That seems like a mock debate that Jim Irsay did that actually got out to the public. Like that was real. Benny, that actually happened last night, prime time press conference. Most press conferences, more press conferences should be in prime time. Let's start them at eight, eight fifteen. maybe have a pregame press conference show post game recap. You tell no. me, help me out. Um, what was Jim Irsay talking about yesterday? with regard to hiring Jeff Saturday as his next interim. I put interim and put the quotation fingers up because that's the next coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He'll be there for four or five years, if not longer. What was he trying to say, Benny? I'm stuck on you, the former newspaper writer, saying that press conferences, <laughs> press conferences should start at 8 o'clock. Like, you've never hit an early deadline. How dare you come that's on Al Gore's internet we don't know and the- act and act as if you don't have a, a early edition of a paper. Like you're so inconsiderate to our what is that? to our scribe. Early edition. You know what that you know what that is. First of you all, tell me what is. a newspaper is. What's a newspaper? It's a thing we get on our phones now. That's what it is. It's a thing we get on our phones. Okay. Oh, that's that's it what is. it is. It's a thing we get on our phones. 
what he meant, I, you know, the funny thing for me is when he said, when Jim Irsay, owner of the coach, said, you know, I like that he doesn't have experience, that he doesn't have experience, that he's not scared, that he's not basically bound to analytics. And not to go into defensive analytics, but doesn't analytics encourage you to take more chances? Doesn't yes. analytics tell you go yes. for it on fourth down more times than not? Doesn't right. analytics tell you to go for two most of the time? I wonder. Go for it on fourth down. You guys punt too much. Why, why are time. you doing this? Go for it. It's it's a little it's it's the science of the reckless at times. So, or it's the science of the fearless, not the fearful. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't, I don't know what Jim Irsay was trying to say there. How about this? So, can you, you imagine going to a job that you've never done before, that you've, yeah, you, you've done this, you've done this as a performer, but now they're asking you to do it as a leader, and you go in and you've never done it, and the CEO says, "Good." I'm glad you don't have experience. I'm glad. I'm so glad. Because this this organization, these coaches, all these coaches I got here, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Gus Bradley. Sorry, John Fox. And any other person on the staff with a little bit of experience, whether it's two years or 20, sorry. Jim Irsay doesn't want anybody on the staff with experience. You all are scared. You all are governed by analytics, which doesn't really jive. But anyway, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't go I want to go yeah, with somebody who doesn't have experience. Who says that? Someone with a someone with a few billion dollars to his name. Like you have the economic freedom to have a stream of consciousness, right? And clearly, Jim Ursay is not one of your favorites, as as evidenced by some things that you said, as evidenced. I can imagine yeah. by you being yeah. in Boston, in the Boston area. And nothing to do with robbery. it. Nope. And, and, okay. Nope, nope. All right. Nope, nothing. Got nothing to do with it. Because I'll okay. go there, too. Because he said some stuff. It, it, you know, this is not a... I'm glad you mentioned Let me just... I'm going to let you keep going. But I just want to parenthetically throw in here. Jim Mercer has not been a successful owner uh, because he just knows what he's doing. He, you know, I just, you know, I've been around him for 52 years. Hey, man, okay. I guess if you want to take credit, if I say I'll give you credit because of the people you've had around you, then sure. But don't you, don't you dare stand there in front of those people and say it's all you. Don't you dare take credit for. You can't take credit for Tony Dungy. You can't take credit for Bill Polian, and you certainly can't take credit for Peyton Manning. Like those. That's all hold those on, numbers on, wait, wait, that he referred to. No, 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 uh-uh. Mm-mm. Nope, I'm going to stop you right there. And you may very well be right. And this is where my bias comes in. Where am I from? Where am I from, Michael Holly? Oh, Detroit, 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 Detroit. Okay. okay, so let's just say that there is a professional football team in town. Let's yeah. just say that that professional football team that. never went, never wins. They never hire the right people. They squander right. the talents of generational players that they've had. Okay. All right. So there's something to Jim Ursay hiring Bill Polian and getting out the okay. way and hiring Tony right. Dungy and getting out of the way. You're not taking credit for their genius, but everybody else had those chances to hire 
those people, there is an element of credit that he's going to take. Now, you can't say, hey, man. Well, Peyton was obvious. I, Peyton was yeah, obvious. Peyton, so, Peyton, the number one pick. Yeah, okay, wait, wait, wait. wait, you wait, wait. Peyton, Peyton was obvious, but there was plenty of people yeah. saying you should draft Ryan Leaf because look what Peyton does in big games. I remember that Peyton, I, look, what I'm saying is, they were, it was I, the I, I remember, I know what they said. I know what they said. <laughs> but if they had the number one pick, they would have done the same thing the Colts did. It really wasn't a debate. I, I get, I get, it was what a com- I get it was a conversation. I get exactly. It was a conversation, and he. Sometimes you happen to make the right choices. Now, I'm not here to defend his record. I don't think that maybe the way that he that he did this is necessarily as tasteful. But I'm not as outraged. I'll say that. Can I say that I'm not as outraged at yeah. Jeff Saturday? Getting this job? Why from not? the stamp. How do I put this? There's been an outcry, an outcry, an outpouring of criticism saying, and you know, if Jim Trotter was here today, Jim Trotter would have a lot to say about this. He's a lot more versed on this than I am. But for an interim job, an interim job that's not even necessarily a good job. Let's let's be honest there, right? They've got a lot of holes. In that in this roster, some underachieving players that you expected a lot from. I don't know if that's necessarily coaching. And then you're not going to sink to the bottom low enough to get the top pick in the draft, which buys you, you know, three or four years. Oh, you if might take the quarterback. They're three, they're three, five, and one. They're, they're not going to fall down that what if they, low. What I, if I, they I, lose the rest of their games? I don't here's the thing. If you lose the rest of your games, I don't think there's a way that you can actually bring Jeff Saturday back. And my point uh-huh. to you, my large, my larger point, my larger point okay. is, I want black coaches to be candidates in jobs where I think they can actually succeed, in jobs that are actually decent jobs. Have you seen that quarterback? I remember them cycling through. Was it Philip Rivers? And Carson Wentz and Maddie Ice and now Sam Ellinger, Ellinger, right? They have yet to find a quarterback. So you mean to tell me in the NFL that gets rid of black coaches as quick as they can get rid of anybody that I would want one of the better black African American minds to go to a place that he can't succeed just so someone 18 months from now and say, see, told you, told you about that. You should, can't have a black coach over there. The Indianapolis Colts, the fourth winningest team since 2000, and he couldn't win over there. I'd rather not because that's not a good job right now. Do you understand that that's not a good job? It's not a good look to bring Jeff Saturday off, and he's got a lot of cleanup to do in that locker room and with the coaching staff. But from a macro standpoint, Michael Holly, I wouldn't want a top coordinator having to parachute into there nine games into the season without a quarterback and a bunch of underachieving players, that's a recipe for disaster, man. I hear you. I hear you. I understand where you're coming from. I disagree with you, but I hear you. And the reason I disagree with you is because the issue is not the job. It's not whether it's a good job or not, because a lot of these jobs open up and, and already we've had a couple of them. So uh, Carolina has an interim tag, yeah, Steve Wilkes. Indianapolis interim tag with Jeff Saturday. So that's two jobs. Two people have been fired. Uh, the, the, the odds tell you that about five or six more jobs are going to come open. 
uh, by the time the season's over. So you're going to have seven, roughly six to eight openings. And those jobs will not be great. The issue is not, oh, what's our roster today? It's the commitment. What kind of commitment are you going to show an African-American head coach? Because that really is the third leg of the Rooney rule. So the Rooney rule was supposed to be what's supposed to be. This is from Art Rooney. Uh, his, he and his father, Dan, you know, came up with this idea of the Rooney mm-hmm. rule. It, and it's really, it's, you know what it should be called? It shouldn't even call the Rooney rule. It's the, how the Pittsburgh Steelers do business rule. Hmm. And I've had three head coaches in my lifetime, three. So what they do is, okay, we're going to investigate. We're going to explore. We're going to cast a wide net. We'll have mm-hmm. our candidates. Then we'll bring in all the candidates and we will, and we will interview them all thoroughly. And then when we hire our candidate, because we've been thorough, you know what we're not going to do? You ain't going to hear from us after a year or two, even if that guy struggles a little bit. As a matter of fact, we may bring him in knowing that he's a little raw. They usually hire him in their thirties and knowing they got room to grow. And then we're going to put our organizational commitment behind them. So when, when, when most of these guys get a job, it's not good and they leave and it's not good because they haven't had the commitment and the support from ownership all the way down. So yeah, it's not a good job, but you're telling me Jim Irsay, you already told me about your black friends. He named his black friends yesterday. You hear that in the press conference? He said, hey, don't, don't question me about the Rooney rule. Cause I got black friends. I hired Tony Dungy and Jim Caldwell. Some of my best coaches are black. <laughs> we can we, like, we we can one is if there's one conversation that we cannot have on this here airwaves, working for who we work for, it ain't that one. I tell you that much. Don't lose your job today. Don't lose don't lose your good job today, Michael Holly. I'm I'm gonna make sure we both stay employed today. I'll make sure we both stay employed today. You ain't miss nothing. What do I miss? But here's what I will say. Okay. Here's what I will say. Black coaches in most sports, it ain't just football. It's not bad. You can look to Houston. You can look to Houston to everybody's, everybody's uncle, Dusty Baker, right? You know the type of right. jobs that black coaches get? The cleanup jobs. The jobs where it's a mess. And you got to clean it up from a public relations standpoint. You got to get the locker room in order because, you know, generally, generally, you know, that's how, you know, black folks are looked at, right? You know, the, the abstract compliments, you know, not necessarily from a tactical. Yeah, people person, right. you know, face of the, you know, face of the franchise. He projects well, strong, strength, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? This ain't that. I don't think this team needs necessarily a, a necessarily a leader of men. I don't know if they necessarily suffer from leadership. Look, didn't they replace offensive coordinator? They got a new play caller who was a quality control, if I remember correctly, right? Quality control last That's few right. years. They've got a bunch of different holes, and I'm not sure when you go to the Rooney rule and you go, you didn't call it the Rooney, just call it the black rule. You know what I mean? Maybe that just makes people feel a lot more comfortable. The black and brown rule. How about we do? How about we not put a white man's name on it? How about we call it the black and brown <laughs> rule and make everybody feel uncomfortable? You know what I mean? So with yeah. that being said, it's about like you said, 
It's about the commitment. It's about the resources. It's about the long-term plan. Do you have belief and trust with this organization that they will have that? If you don't have a quarterback, I don't see how you can be a good team. If you're not in a position to get a quarterback, considering the way that they've shuffled quarterbacks in and out since the abrupt retirement of Andrew Luck, I don't know if I would want a brother in that spot. Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting. Um, whoever is in that spot right now is Jeff Saturday. And I know a lot of people have kind of, because they know him. I mean, you know, I've, I've talked to Jeff Saturday a couple of times, uh, just doing some work with ESPN over the years. Have done a couple of shows with him. Great, great personality. Really personable guy. Easy to talk to. So everybody's kind of dancing around that part. They they have a res- they have respect for Saturday, especially if you rooted for him like you did in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. or you've worked with them like people have in the media. But the, the bottom line is, he's not his own man. He's not his own man in this position. And and what told the biggest tell of that is when he said he fixed his mouth to say he did not laugh. He says Sam Ellinger is our quarterback. Bruh, stop. Now, we all know, we all know Sam Ellinger is not, Sam Ellinger is not great. And Matt Ryan at this stage of his career is not great either. But Matt Ryan is a better quarterback for the Colts than Sam Ellinger. And the AFC is not great. You're three, five, and one, whatever great. you are, not great. Nothing's nothing's great. Neither conference is great, to be perfectly right. honest. So so if you who knows? Like you you play in a division that okay, the, the Colts, you already played I mean you already played the Titans twice, you lost to them twice. Got it. That's over. But lost by a combined sixteen points in two games to the Titans, the first place team in the division. So they're not they're better than you. They're they're better run than you. But it's not like you can't even compete like your roster. I agree. I disagree with you about the roster too. The roster is good enough to make the playoffs. It should be. But they the fact that Jeff Saturday is not even going to look Matt Ryan's way tells you there's an agreement in place. And the reason not going to look Matt Ryan's way is because if Matt Ryan plays, he gets 17 million more dollars and Jim Irsay ain't trying to pay him. So this is not about a meritocracy. This not was doing best for the team. It's what's doing best for Ursay and now Jeff Saturday and Vinny. I'm telling you, you're not upset about interim coach Saturday. I want to introduce you to head coach Saturday on a Sunday on many Sundays, many Sundays going forward. I don't know, man, but no, that's it's, not the you're, only you're, crazy it's thing. It's fair to be happening. concerned. No, it's fair. It's you're yeah. fair. It's fair. It's fair to have concerns and I have concerns about Sam Ellinger considering he doesn't give Michael Pittman the ball and I'm not saying that Michael Pittman is my number two wide receiver on, on my uh, eight and one fantasy team and yeah. I'm looking at this for, for purely for purely you know selfish reasons but my team is eight and one so clearly I know what I'm doing from a team building standpoint go ahead yeah you know what you should do What's you that? should trade Michael Pittman trade Michael Pittman because Michael Pittman and his teammates... He, he, ain't touching, he ain't touching the ball no more. I know. I know. He, he I was going to say, they're not going to be happy. Hey, you... Whatever my level of disappointment is, it doesn't even come close to what the conversations... If I could just be a fly on the wall for 10 minutes, the mm-hmm. conversation yesterday in the Colts locker room, and I want to be there for 15 And the coach is wrong. And the coach is for wrong. For Saturday's first meeting with the team. 
Mm. Like, all right, boy. Like, come on. Like, dude. I, Do you I, introduce what? yourself? Do you say, in case you didn't see me in the last episode of That's My Mama, I'm Jeff Saturday. Oh, my goodness. Hey, listen, we got a lot more to talk about. Stuff, believe it or not, stuff that's even crazier than this. And uh, Vinny Goodwill, the newsbreaker. We'll get to that coming up. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, uh, Vinny, I need you to help me understand this one. I told you it's not the craziest thing going on in sports. This one is, this story, uh, this story's been going on for a while. As you know, we talked about it last week, Kyrie Irving, you know, promoting a film, promoting a book, clearly uh, is anti-Semitic. There's no, and I, 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 I got to correct when people say it has anti-Semitic tropes and all that stuff. It's just, let's just call it what it is. It's an anti-Semitic film because it even doubts the existence of the Holocaust. I mean, I, I, I'm just going to say this, and, and, and not to get into, you know, hey, it, you know, changing or, or swapping out historical atrocities so people can understand it. I'll just say, if it were, if we were talking about, somebody came in and said, look, Transatlantic slave trade didn't really happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's not really, it really wasn't slavery that undergirded the United States for many, many centuries. Oh, wait, you I mean like, a, wait, hold on, hold on. You mean like a rapper? I ain't calling that a mistake. Producer? You mean a rapper producer come out and say slavery was a choice? You mean something like that? Okay. But I digress. Right. But I digress. But for I digress. example, go ahead, go ahead. that ain't a mistake. That ain't no right. mistake. Mm-hmm. That's not like a misstep. No, that's something I, I'm going to take that very seriously. And let's say that person said it in Chicago or Atlanta or D.C. where there are a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of African-Americans and we're just supposed to shrug? The, the fact is, I, I, I said to somebody the other day, Boston proper, Boston proper has about 650,000 people of all of all backgrounds and races, 650,000 people in Boston proper. Brooklyn has 600,000 Jews. So Kyrie Irving shouldn't be saying this anywhere, but to say it in Brooklyn, it's just outrageous. What are you thinking? And so you tell me why the players association is coming out saying what it is saying. And then as you put in your feed, why the Brooklyn Nets have these terms and conditions for the return of Kyrie Irving? Well, it's twofold here. The players union has to stand up for their client in an unprecedented situation, all things considered. This wasn't a, a suspension over something, tra- let's say something traditionally that players would get suspended for. It's kind of setting a new precedent. Not even, even Charlie Ward, when Charlie Ward had said some 
you know, anti-Jewish things. I, I don't say anti-Semitic. Someone, some, a Jewish person, a very, uh, someone that I trust, he said, look, it's not anti-Semitic. Just say anti-Jewish. All right, cool. Anti-Jewish. Taking it like that. Okay. Not even Charlie Ward 20 plus years ago when he was when he had said some things and it got out to the public, he wasn't suspended for it. So the net suspending Kyrie Irving is a bit on the unprecedented side. And as the union representing Kyrie Irving, who is a vice president, that is their job to defend their client. You will see a lot of times even the most guilty people in the world got public defenders, right? It's their job. Yeah. You don't make a moral, I don't make a value or moral judgment on that. What I make of this is twofold. And I'm going to see if you rock with me here. Okay, well, let me ask go. you this. Let me, let me let me just ask you the question on its face. On its face, do you believe that the stipulations placed forth to Kyrie Irving are a bit heavy-handed? Heavy-handed, um, okay. So, uh, so let's just, here we are. Let me just go over them again. Meet with the media and issue a verbal apology, okay? Share the apology on the social media accounts where he initially shared the, the film and the book. Follow and complete sensitivity training. Meet with Jewish leaders in the Brooklyn community. Meet with that ownership and demonstrate this type of behavior won't happen yet. I don't yeah. think that's heavy-handed. I really don't. I don't. Okay. You think that's heavy-handed? No, no. Because you know what most to... people think? Most people think heavy-handed, they think of money. <laughs> you know, but, money but, he does, somehow... but, but he does have to donate $500,000 that the ABL returned back or declined after his recent press conference. So he's going to have to offer money again. So he already did that. He did that and they gave it back before one of right. those disastrous press conferences. So this, that's not that's not new. It's just he's got to, like, ABL is yeah, like, you... I don't want your money. So he's got to redistribute it. Exactly, exactly. What I will say is this, and this is, and I've been a vocal critic of everything Kyrie Irving, from a principal standpoint, from a practical standpoint. So don't look at this as me giving him bail, because that's that's not what I'm doing here. <laughs> nor, nor am I taking quotes from other situations and trying to apply it here, like I've seen people do. Well, what about Brett Favre? or Don Imus, and I've literally heard someone utter those words out of their mouth and say, well, there was no outrage about Don Imus. Wait, what? Are you out of your mind? Yes, exactly my point. Or to to try to do the false equivocation with Brett Favre and say, well, Black people are talking about this, and so that's why we're upset that Kyrie Irving has to face this. What Black people you know? Like, who is since when did we become a monolith about Kyrie Irving? But I digress. And I will address the topic at hand. If you are the Brooklyn Nets and you know that Kyrie's number one thing on his principal list is not bowing down to you, to the public, to the media, and you don't want him to come back, what are you going to do? You make him bow down, right? You put forth mm. a list of stipulations that you know that he's not going to fulfill, that he's not want to fulfill because you know his character, because he backed himself into this corner, not just with the film, but with the press conferences, with the refusal to back down, with everything that he did, with that no-show performance against Chicago on national TV too. Now don't think that the Nets didn't see all of that, right? All of a sudden, a 30-point game guy couldn't make a field goal into the fourth quarter. 
something smells fishy here. But what I'm saying for the Nets is they don't appear to want him back. So you put all these stipulations in front of him to basically say, hey, you want to come back? Here's your path. Knowing he won't, right? Knowing that his principles are too strong to even apologize. He wouldn't apologize for a movie he probably hadn't laid his lazy ass his eyes on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't say lazy, well, but the glazed glazed eyes on. You know what I mean? He is not yeah. going. He he didn't watch that three and a half hour movie. You know he didn't watch that three and a half hour movie. He didn't know what was in it, but he was going to appear the way that he appeared because he was being challenged on it. And if there's one thing you're not going to do to Kyrie Irving, you are not going to challenge him publicly. You are not going to make him back down. So what are the Brooklyn Nets going to do? Make him back down and bow down. And what should the NBPA do? Not want to make sure that this is not a precedent that is going to be set for future references. I will venture to say there's no other NBA player like Kyrie Irving that comes up with a million reasons to miss work or start controversies, but they have to defend their guy because he's the vice president, because he's one of the 450. I completely understand. This is part of their job. Yeah, you know what, Vinny? Uh, okay, that's a good point. I think what we're talking about, though, is... Are you right? If the Brooklyn Nets don't want Kyrie Irving, if, if they never want to see him again, they want an easy way to get rid of him, those conditions are heavy-handed for Kyrie Irving. But if you tell me that a player, that an NBA player did what Kyrie Irving did and then had a press conference, had many opportunities behind the scenes to work with the team and the commissioner so they wouldn't, ha so they wouldn't have to suspend him. Work behind the scenes. It gave him a lot of grace. Hey, hey, this is, what, this is how you position it. This is what you say to the media. He goes out. He doesn't do anything that they ask him to do. Then they suspend him, and then they say these are the terms and conditions. That, that's not heavy-handed at all for most players. It's heavy-handed for him, but for most players, I, what I they're players, asking I, him to do, I think, is quite reasonable. I think most Especially players would have an issue. Geography is I a big think, part of this. I, I agree. I think most players, for, for one, let's be honest, most players would not back themselves into this corner. This applies to one man and one man only. Yeah. Right. Only Kyrie would find himself in this spot, right? And you're right. The league gave him a lot of grace. The team gave him a lot of grace. But who knows what his teammates feel about it's always being him. We've always got to answer for you. We always have to make up for your absence. We always have to make up for something. You're absolutely correct, right? I do think for a man of Kyrie's pride and quote-unquote principles, or at least public principles, that is a lot for him to have to back up and bow down, not just admit fault and give up money and meet with all these people. Cause remember he wouldn't meet with the ADL the first time he sent his stepmother to meet with the ADL. <laughs> he wouldn't eat. He, he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't return the team owners text messages. Right. And that's another yeah. thing he has to do. So even after he does that, he has to meet with Josiah and illustrate so much humility, eat so much humble pie and say, I promise not to do this again for the rest of the season, not for the next four years, because you're giving me another $200 million, but for the next four years before I go on to my next stop, if there is a next stop for Kyrie Irving. This could be the yeah, end in a it, whole bunch of different ways. If, the, if there is a next stop, he said. Ooh, it is, and I, and, I do, I, and I do think, and I do think a lot of people, I do think a lot of people think it's heavy-handed. I do think a lot of people believe that they're trying to make Kyrie Irving 
quote unquote, bow down in a way that might be unnecessary. Even if the Brooklyn Nets got all the practical leverage in the world, they might have went a little too far. I, I just, I, I just don't think so, man. I, and, and maybe, maybe what it is is the word, as as your friend said to you, maybe some people get lost in the word. I, and I know this, and I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this to cast a judgment. I'm not trying trying to say anybody is not smart. But I do know there's an NBA person recently who, I'm not going to say any names, but this is a fact. I know this for a fact. Trust the source uh, implicitly. An NBA person, we're, we're, they were talking about anti-Semitism. And that person, who was smart, said, what is that? What is anti-Semitism? Did not know what it was. And, and, and I, I think what probably needs to come out of this, I think will be productive. If there is like for those who are interested in learning more about cultures, other cultures that, that, uh, that, that are world cultures, but exist right here in the United States. Some of your neighbors, this is a part of their traditions, part of their culture. If you want to learn more about it, please. I, th- I think there needs to be uh, an educational option. For those who want to do it, it can't be mandatory because people don't respond well to that. I'll, I'll say this. Because a lot of people just I'll don't know, this. Vinny. No, you're right. No, and I, that's, that was the other point. I was going to say this. Growing up, you hear about Jewish people in an abstract form, right? However, you, however it's being talked about whenever a topic of particular subject comes up in an abstract. But you don't actually know someone's Jewish unless they tell you. Right. Like if you assume because someone's last name or whatever it is, that's an assumption. You don't you don't know. Right. You don't know. And no one. You don't know. No one identifies. Now, if you're in a black household, you hear about white folks, but you you can see that that's something visual. You know what I mean? You have a direct example of whatever the topic is. Some people and I can't remember the first time I really came into contact with someone who was a Jew identified as a Jewish person and went, you know what I mean? Went all into that and, and illustrated everything that that meant. But I was an adult, probably. I probably went to mm. high school or grade school with Jewish people, but just didn't know it. And now you're putting NBA players in a position where, like you said, or some NBA personnel who may not know because they've never had to directly come across someone not like an ignorance thing where you're just not paying attention, but you just don't know unless someone tells you. That's an yeah, issue. Look at- that's an issue within itself. It's not a harmful thing. It's just the one of identity and knowing and how how is one to know? Yeah, if, if you look at if you look at the map, if you look at the U.S. map. Uh, a lot of people did not grow up just based on just it's, it's geography again. And we're in a if, segregated if you grew up in world. The Midwest, yeah, I was going to say, if you grew up in the Midwest, okay, the numbers very, very slight in the Midwest, uh, very high in the Northeast uh, and the West Coast. So, yeah, a lot of people haven't had, uh, just haven't had access and haven't had the information. But know that, know that. And I think this really comes down to, how about this? It's like we said the other day. You know, Players Association can defend Kyrie and say this is heavy-handed and all this. This never would have been an issue if Kyrie just said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what the crazy thing is? Let me ask you this. If this were a pie chart, and I know we got to run to commercials, and we got Natalie coming up next. If this were a pie chart, 
of how much of this is on Kyrie initially putting out the film, tweeting out the film, the Alex Jones stuff, so we don't forget about that. And yeah. how much of this, and how much of this from the film is from that initial tweet, and how much of it is about the press conferences and the lack of back down? How would you divvy that up? Oh, that's good. I'd say the press conference is like 65% of it, right? I think it's the, the press conference. Yeah, I think it's that's like it. 75, 75, yeah. 80. Keep going. Yes. Yes. I agree with you. It was just I'm not doing it. I'm not talking got, to my I've and, got you know, an army. I've got an yeah. army. That's a dog whistle if I've ever heard one. And trust yeah. me, from from the and, last X amount of years of political discourse, we as black folks know a dog whistle when we hear one, even yes, if it don't do. apply to us. One thing, and, and we will, we'll, we'll play the music and uh, we will uh, kick it with Natalie here in a second, but I'll just say this as the music plays. Kyrie has this thing where he'll look at the people in front of him. He is arguing with them and not really talking to the masses. He gets so caught up in the weeds of, in the hey, how dare you He's challenge battling. me? Hey, man. He's battling. You, don't worry about them. You're talking, you're, you're making a statement to a whole, like millions of people. What do you want to say to millions of people? Not arguing with the dude. But he doesn't do his research to answer the questions anyway. So it's easier to battle the person in front of you than to answer the question. You can't read one book and be educated. (laughs) That's a quote of the day right there. Anyway, we got a lot more to get to. Let's have some fun. We'll talk with Natalie coming up. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The way our salary is constructed, our salary cap and our uh, our budget, uh, all the way to, you know, injuries, guys being available, playing style, new coaching staff, like, and guys having to buy in to how we're playing and, and what we're doing. Um, so all of that is real. And guys having to step up and play better. We just can't go out and start spending money everywhere to build a team. We have three big-time future Hall of Fame, first ballot future Hall of Famers that a chunk of our budget is being spent on, and there's only so much left. So, But just have an honest dialogue, not not sugarcoating anything, looking at everything for what it is and, and being real, like like being real. We're not one of these teams right now, as of right now, where we have 30, 40, 50 million in cap space. We don't have that today. Do those three guys? Do those three guys have to give you more? Huh? Do those three guys that are that much of your your, your roster, your I payroll? Think, again, Bron is managing his foot, managing you know just coming off a of viral infection. AD, you know, has been managing his back, and he he's been available and playing well, put, putting up good numbers. As with LeBron, Russ has embraced his role off the bench, and so yeah, I feel. I feel comfortable where, yeah, we always, I can give more. We all can give more. 
Oh, wow, it's Darvin Ham. We got Natalie here joining the party. We're going to end the show with a bang. Have a good time. Good to see you, Natalie. Uh, Vinny, I'll start with you, and then Natalie, uh, jump in here. Darvin Ham said a lot in that clip. Uh, some of it's obvious. Some of it is like, well, okay, you got these three big-time guys, first-time Hall of Famers. You just mentioned one of them's coming off the bench. That's a problem. <laughs> and so what did you make of Darvin Ham's comments? Hey, you, you know there's something called tough love, right? And tough love means usually means people just being, like, brutally honest and being all that extra. Darvin Ham actually gave some love in that. He was giving some love, a little bit of sugar to the media there. He was being honest. He was being completely honest that, hey, we don't have to trade for Buddy Hield and Miles Turner, and they're going to save the day. Stop asking to talk to Rob Palinka every other day and asking what he's go- if he's going to trade Russell Westbrook. We go as our three max players go. If LeBron doesn't play like a top seven player, if AD doesn't play like the way he plays, if Russell Westbrook isn't give, doesn't give you the best of the rest that he has left, we don't have a chance. And by a chance, I mean we don't have a chance of barely making the play-in. They're not going over the cap. Nobody's coming to save them. I thought it was downright refreshing because that's not something you would have heard from Frank Vogel last year. I felt like Darvin Ham. What did we talk about uh, in, the, in the first segment? Strong black man, right? Dishing out the truth. Didn't we say that? Strong black man coming to clean up. When you got when all other options failing, you hire the brother and you tell the brother to clean it up. And there's Darvin Ham with his broom and dustpan telling y'all why y'all making this mess. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of thought he said a lot of nothing, to be honest. I mean, he answered the questions and he's like, oh, yeah, we could all be better. I mean, it was a way not to really, like, throw anyone under the bus. Um, And I don't know that you can. It's not really his fault. He was brought in to fix something that I don't know is fixable. So I think he did a good job in the presser, but I don't really think he he told us that much. Um, LeBron hasn't been playing well despite like what he has going on like he's not playing well right now Russ has embraced his role he's actually been playing better Anthony Davis we know he's managing injuries but the three don't seem to work together and like their roster construction is a problem so even if Buddy Hill isn't coming in to save the day they do need to make changes to that roster however they can make it and if they don't I mean, regardless, whether they do or don't, like, Vinny's right. Like, they're not going anywhere anyway this year. So, but, yeah, I just, I, it kind of goes back to what Vinny was saying earlier in the show when you guys were talking about football. But I think with coaches, I just wish Darwin got, like, a better situation to go into because I actually don't think the Lakers is an ideal situation for him as a black coach. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I, I'm telling you, most of these, uh, coaching in the NBA is completely different, too. Coaching in the NBA, all of those jobs are, I mean, outside of the Warriors, right? Warriors and maybe a couple other that, franchises. That ain't no easy coaching job in case you haven't noticed what's say, been going on like, I, I would tell you this, and you guys, well, I mean, you cover the league, but I would say a basketball fan who's uh, who rates himself or rates themselves a 7.5 out of 10. If I said to that, uh, that fan, name 20 coaches in the league without Google. I don't know. I don't know if they can do it. I mean, it's just so much turnover. Uh, I'm going to ask you this, though. We, I mentioned the Warriors, and I know, Nat, you can talk about a lot more than the Warriors, but <laughs> let's talk about Steph. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, we put up 47 last night. Great numerology because I, I think <laughs> the Warriors are now four and seven. Trending up. Look at that. Natalie, that was some Boston shade. You just missed that one. That is some Boston shade from Michael Hollywood. Go ahead, I love Steph. That's okay. I love Steph. <laughs> yeah, no. Got that chip. Got that ring. Nobody's laughing. You got the ring. There's a ring in there's a ring in San Francisco. There's not one in Boston. So you got the last laugh. But anyway, what did you see last night from Steph that maybe you hadn't seen earlier in the year? Uh, no, I mean, Steph has actually been having an amazing season. It's just been overshadowed by the Warriors' start. So last night you just saw a player put his team on his back. You know, I, 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 I agree with Vinny. I think I saw he wrote something or, or maybe he tweeted. I don't know. But I think he feels is like, you know, this is not a winning way for the Warriors. Like, it's not a long-term solution. And I think the Warriors know that. I, I tweeted out something similar. Like, I was like, I'll take the W, but if this is how you got to do it, it's not like a long-term solution, right? And so I hear a lot of fans kind of like obsessing over GP2 leaving and you know, the two timeline thing is coming up. And I think that's real. But I mean, let's just look at like Clay Thompson and look at Jordan Poole. You're not getting the production you need from them, right? So like, let's start with some of those key pieces. Their defense, which they are known for, has not been good. So I think there are other things like that you have to look at before you just kind of start harping on some of the other stuff. Um, and those are real things to fix. So I mean, I you saw like Steph kind of he got a tech last night. You've seen them being more aggressive with some of the rookies. He was like yelling at Moody. Like you're like you're seeing it come out of him. And I think, you know, he's going to do what he has to to get them back where they need to be. But, you know, I think that they can do it. So nothing surprising from him. 47, 8 and 8, I think it was. No turnovers. Oof. So um, he's I mean, he's having a 50, 40, 90 season right now, which is crazy. It's very it's still very early, but he's playing incredibly right now. And it means not out right now. Yeah, that I agree. That is the crazy part. It doesn't, and, and that's no shade to Steph at all. It just shows a that defending a title when you don't have Kevin Durant is really, really hard. No, that's what I think shows. that is. Oh boy, defending. They've already, the they've, already def- they've already done a title without Kevin Durant. So, but defending it, I said defending a title yeah, when it, you don't have Kevin Durant is really hard. And guess what? Life being Kevin Durant ain't so grand right now either. You know what I mean? So everybody can get a shrapnel of something. And it's I, I think it shows this, too, to be perfectly honest. They won that title last year with very little contributions from their young guys. It happened in spots. Right. But, and I think you have to be all in. It's very hard to develop young players and use the old guys and say, hey, we're going to thread the needle here. We're going to give the young guys some playing time and allow them to grow and make mistakes while also saying, hey, veterans, you guys got to go and defend the title. It's like there's two different teams with two different objectives there. Okay. Young guys develop, old guys win. There's teams that have everybody on the same objective as winning, as winning and don't come out on top. So I think at some point, maybe you have to make a choice. I think Steve Kerr talked about it a little bit, talking about changing the rotations and everything else. But here's the other part of it, too. You always hold the carrot up for young players about winning. You say everything happens in the context of winning, right? You're going to get your money. You're going to get your individual stuff, everything else, right? What happens when you've already won? 
aren't you going to be on the get mine plan? Isn't that tough yeah. for human nature to get you to keep investing into a team when you haven't figured out who you are as an individual yet? I think that's human nature to ask and expect a lot of these 20-year-old kids to pour themselves into something selflessly when they don't know who they are yet. Yeah, I mean... You know what I love? You know what I love, Natalie? Can I just say this, Natalie? Of course. Because we, uh, we're running, we got to have you come back because we're running out of time and I want to hear so many words. We should come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow, Natalie. <laughs> um, but I want to say this. I love the transformation that happens with you. As soon as somebody mentions Kevin Durant and yeah. the Warriors, your eyes, your, I mean, it is, it is game, it's game seven and Natalie is ready for the close. Yes. Ooh, I love it. Because defending is hard regardless of Kevin Durant or not. And that's the only point I need to make. Period. Oh, it is triggering. She wants to pretend that he didn't agree. Love both of you. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. See you. (laughs) Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.